When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org, from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound, the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you so much for making your way here, checking out the series. Please do hit the subscribe button. Uh, I put out three new interviews every single week, so it's a great way to keep up with all of your favorite artists, discover some new ones, know what's happening in the music world, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. If you are a regular listener to podcasts, you could probably sing along with that entire spill. I'm Kyle Merritt. Today, my guest, Imagine Dragons. I'm going to be talking with frontman Dan Reynolds to discuss their upcoming fifth LP and the two lead singles, Follow You and Cutthroat. Uh, We're going to hear about Dan's gift of melody from his early classical piano upbringing and taking vocal and lyrical influence from uh, two of my favorite songwriters, Harry Nilsson and Paul Simon, as well as some taking some cues from uh, Richard Dawkins' book, The Selfish Gene. Now, on the heavier side, uh, Dan's going to give a nod to Nine Inch Nails uh, for the new song Cutthroat and talk about Rick Rubin's work as a producer, especially on that track right there, and collaborating with Tom Morello on last year's song Stand Up, uh, one of Tom's songs. That leads into the uh, social activism that shows up on these new songs as well. So let's do it. It's Kyle Meredith with Imagine Dragons. How you doing, man? You're back with new music. The whole band's back with new music after just a, it's, it's not like it's been years or whatever, but it's been like a couple years, whatever. But uh, you've given us two new songs, I guess, that will eventually, we're building up to something much bigger here. But uh, with these two tracks, Follow You and Cutthroat, both, I got to tell you, which are so much fun to listen to for very different reasons on both of these. And I think that's a nice thing. I was, um, you know, when I first heard uh, Follow You and then went back in on your Instagram, you had been playing an acoustic version of it. I think you had your kids around you or whatever. And it dawned on me the feeling that I was getting from this song of kind of a um, like an 80s Paul McCartney-esque melody with that 80s carousel thing that he did. I know there's a there's an interesting story. So before I go any further, uh, I'll let you tell it because this this kind of it's a really personal song, I guess. Right. Yeah, it it is a pretty personal song Um, and there's kind of no way to tell it short. So I'm going to tell it as short as I can. Um, But I apologize in advance if it goes a little long. Um, my wife and I had been married for seven years. I met her over a decade ago. Uh, my band opened for her band. She was the singer in a band called Nico Vega that was signed to MySpace and, uh, 
uh, when MySpace has had it had its heyday. And uh, we opened for them, actually. Uh, it was us and then Neon Trees and then Nico Vega was a headliner at Wasted Space in Las Vegas. Uh, fell in love quickly, uh, came from very different backgrounds. I was raised in a super conservative Mormon family. She was raised in Eugene, Oregon, in a, uh, studying the stars and numerology and astronomy. And uh, so very different backgrounds. Um, but that's, I think, why we were drawn to each other. I was searching for something different and didn't quite always fit in the box of religion. Anyway, um, after seven years, obviously seven years later, uh, as we were married, my life dramatically changed. Imagine Dragons blew up in ways that I could have never conceived or prepared for. And I was traveling nonstop and our marriage had a lot of strains because of that. And we ended up getting separated and we're going to get divorced and then just took seven months apart, no communication. And this was while I was touring the last record Evolve. Uh, which was really, you know, this is my best friend. This is my, uh, my confidant. This is my, uh, really my everything. And, and also to the mother of, of three children that we had at that point. So it was a difficult uh, period of time uh, to say the least. And when I came home um, after seven months of no talking, we were going to meet with divor divorce attorneys to sign the papers. We'd only communicated through attorneys and anybody who's been through divorce knows, especially with kids involved, it's, Horrible, horrible process, super difficult, dark, dark period of time. Anyway, uh, and on the way to the meeting, she sent me a lengthy text message, um, which I, it sounds so trite to say text message, but it's really like our modern day, uh, you know, like letters. Uh, it's, it's the power of words and it, it certainly held a lot of weight. She said a lot of things that she needed to say and a lot of things that I needed to hear and just kind of gave me a different perspective. And I sat down at the table and we both said, why are we here let's get out of here. Uh, the attorneys were obviously upset and we stood up and left and went to lunch and treated it like a first date and started dating all over again. Um, and then I reproposed to her after a period of time. And that was three years ago. Now we just celebrated 10 years together and had another child since then. And, and this was a song that I wrote shortly after we got back together, follow you to kind of, uh, I really was, a, I wasn't thinking it was an Imagine Dragon song or anything. It was really just a gift to my wife of like, just a celebration of like, look at all we've come through and a song about loyalty. And then it, it just uh, ended up being a song that stuck uh, throughout this three-year process the band took off. And I didn't know how long that process was going to be and COVID happened at the same time. Anyway, I've already talked too long, but that's, you know, I, I just want to give the actual gist of the song and that's kind of what it is. There's no such thing as you talking too long. We're here to hear from you, not from me. So, so please continue on that stuff. But that's amazing because that, that's not the way it usually goes. We know the statistics. I've been through a divorce myself. That's just not the way it usually goes. So that you guys were able to turn around is amazing to see where it's gone from there and, 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 you know, to, to get great art from it. I mean, um, I mean, that's where the greatest songs come from is, you know, the most personal places, and, you know, as I look at it, too, it's interesting because here you have this song. And, and again, you can find the bare bones. You want an acoustic version of this online. Once it gets to the studio, however, you know, now in the credits, it looks like there's, you know, seven songwriters involved. How does that work when you have something so personal to kind of give it over to that many people to put their own stamp on it? Yeah, I, I actually saw that when I was on a Apple Music the other day and I played it, it popped up and it said the songwriters and it was like four songwriters. I actually wasn't even listed in the credits of it. <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess this is the way it goes. But what kind of what happened with uh, that song, and, and this happens quite often with a lot of our songs is... Um, Joel Little was a producer we worked with, incredibly talented uh, producer. He sent over a track to me 
to write to, which was the bare bones of the song. But the chord progression and awesome progression, we'd worked with him before on whatever it takes um, and birds. And I want to say one other song I can't think of. Uh, and he had made that track with, I believe, two or three other uh, creators, which I actually didn't even know until I got on Apple Music the other day, which it wouldn't have changed anything. Uh, the track was great. He sent it to me. I wrote the melody and lyrics. I always write all the melody and lyrics. And then we went into the studio with Rick Rubin. And then with Rick, we pulled the song apart, put it back together. And then as a band, we always split all our songwriting, um, regardless of of me always writing lyric and melody. So long story short, I, I'm, and I'm not trying to sound like, I do all my stuff, blah, blah, blah. Like it is absolutely a communal process, but it's a little, it's the personalization of it is always there in every song we ever write. I always write all the melody. I always write all the lyrics, uh, but it's always a communal process with the band. And typically if there's a producer involved, or in this case, like I said, there was two other uh, individuals that I never met who who had originally made the track with Joel, but that's why it's a lengthy lengthy list. And I don't think that's the case with every song. Obviously, there's a lot of people who do songwriting and do things together. And but that was the case with Follow You. Yeah, you you do have an amazing gift, by the way, for melody. I mean, that that top line of that song, as I said, it, it sort of has a little carousel. And I've heard that in so many of your songs in the past. Can you attribute that to anywhere specific? Like, where does your sense of melody come from? Does that was it something you paid attention to in your you know in your past in your youth? You know, I, lo I love that you call it a, a carousel melody because I've I've never thought of it like that. But I, I the way that I always think of it is actually I think I draw the majority of my melody work from how I was introduced to music, which was I was a classical pianist for ten years. My mom had us all take piano lessons for ten years and play Mozart, Beethoven, Chopin all these, their most famous classical pieces and I had to memorize it. And then we would put on recitals and you play these songs. And I always picked the most monstrous songs I could get. Um, whether it was like, or like it was, I always was looking for these, the most like heavy, if it could be heavy classical music um, because I, I liked that. And I, I think that's what Imagine Dragons is at its core. All my melody work, I don't think of this, but I think subconsciously it happens, whether it's it's this very classical uh, melodic, melodic interval uh, work that you find in a lot of classical pieces, um, whether it's, you know, whether it was Bach or whether it was Beethoven or whoever these, and, and, and not to say I'm on a level of that melodic work, but it's how I was trained. Uh, as a young child. And so I think it just naturally finds itself into everything that I, that I write. I, I'm, I like poppy melodies. I grew up on hip hop and pop and singer songwriters like Cat Stevens, Paul Simon, uh, Harry Nelson. I didn't grow up on a lot of rock. Uh, the rock that I listened to was solely from my one older brother who listened to like nineties uh, grunge. And mm -hmm. uh, so like Nirvana, uh, Pearl Jam and like Alanis Morissette and some of like the power women of the nineties. Yeah. That makes a whole lot more sense now, especially seeing how you marry all of those worlds. Uh, you're speaking my language, Harry Nielsen, Paul Simon. I mean, two of my favorite, I mean, two of everybody's favorite all time songwriters. I can't quite claim that. I mean, Nielsen deserves quite a bit more, you know, spotlight than I think he ever got, but. It's crazy how little spotlight he gets. He was the Beatles favorite. You know, he did like, the point with with right. oh, and that's how, my daughter's named after me and my arrow from that. My daughter's name is Arrow from me and my arrow. 
But anyway, everything done by Harry is my favorite. Uh, between Harry and Paul yeah, Simon. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so rare that I meet someone who knows the point. I love that movie. Just so for anybody looking at this right now, check that out. So fantastic. One of the most fantastic films. I show it to all my kids and the message is amazing of it. Um, but yeah, Graceland by Paul Simon is probably mm. my favorite record of all time. That and Nilsson Schmelson. So between those two, that's where I draw my, my greatest influence as far as lyrical and melodic. That's really interesting. And, and especially as I was saying, you know, once you do, you didn't listen to a lot of rock. And I think that makes it even more surprising. So you get to the other song that's been released by Imagine Dragons and it's Cutthroat. And here, once again, you're doing some acrobatics with your voice all over this. But here comes, you know, here comes the screaming. Here, here comes the yelling. Do you approach a song like this? in the same way that you would for Follow You? Like, Follow You sounds like, you know, it was written on an acoustic, maybe, the bare bones. Do you do you approach a song like Cutthroat in the same way? Cutthroat was my drummer uh, sent over a track that he had worked at in his studios, and it was some drums and acoustic guitar. And I then wrote to it right here. And in fact, every my whole record I did right here where I'm sitting, not even in a good vocal booth. I really like, if you listen to Follow You, especially, especially for the engineer heads out there, it's, there's a lot of compression grabbing the room. And so my vocals, you know what, gotcha. You know, it's grabbing, the compression's grabbing this large room that I'm in, which is typically not good. I don't think that, I'm not suggesting that for people, but I liked the sound of it quite a bit and we use a lot of the vocals from this room because it, it was weird and strange how it captured uh, the room but anyway with with cutthroat he had sent it here i wrote on it then we primarily rick really went in deep on that song that's a very rick rubin um approach he i mean he worked on follow you too but cutthroat is he was like let's peel this apart and i you go 75 percent there and i want you to go 100 percent there um his approach to to everything was all about honesty and going all the way there um he would he often would say to me i don't believe you when you're saying that um i would play him a demo and he'd say i don't believe you and it, it drove me crazy in the beginning i was like rick like <laughs> well, I, I i broke these i mean it i mean it. he was like all right well i don't believe you so say it and tell do it in, in a way that i that i believe it so cutthroat it, yeah, it got me to a place with that song where I really meant what I was saying. And it's not anger directed at anyone else but myself. It's a, it's a song about self-reflection and uh, self-pity. Um, but uh, yeah, Rick really uh, influenced that song and we, he pulled it apart and we built it up. So that song, sorry, I didn't even answer your question, which is melodically, no, that, that song is, is more based on the, the production value of it. Uh, it was very focused on kind of everything that I love about hip hop and a lot of things that Rick did, whether it was with the Beastie Boys or Kanye or a lot of my favorite records. Uh, and just the upfront of it, like you hear it and you either hate it or you love it. And that's what Cutthroat is. And for me, I knew that our fans were going to either hate it or love it. And I think for the most part, I think they primarily hate it. Maybe I'm not sure. <laughs> to be honest. I, haven't quite, I haven't quite, you know, I don't really dive into that as much these days, but, um, but, but I, but I love it. I really love that song. And I, and I, it fascinates me when I listen to it and it's exciting for me. And this is our fifth record. It's like, I, if you're not doing that to your, for yourself at this point, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's a waste, I guess. I'm surprised that to any of them are like, it's not the same as as other songs, but you know you can see the lineage and and natural and and lightning and thunder and all that stuff. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not so far removed from that world, you know. It's it's surprising anyway. I think it it primarily so my biggest influences on that song, like what I was thinking of when I was writing it, and and 
I, I feel like every artist probably does this. I can't speak for everybody else, but to some extent you hear something and you're channeling something. And I'm not saying I always am like, I, let me do it like this artist, but subconsciously I'm sure I'm always drawing on my influences. And when I listen to that song, I'm pretty sure my only influences on that were nine inch nails. I, I, I that's like as far rock as I go. I, I, I guess I think of nine inch nails more as, um, I don't think when I think of rock, typically when people say rock, I think of like uh, classic rock. I don't know why. And I didn't listen to any classic rock. Like I, I, uh, it just wasn't, it wasn't my thing, but I love nine inch nails and I love everything that Trent did. Well, uh, he, he's uh, to start to interrupt you only to say that Trent Reznor is a pop songwriter over industrial music. That's kind like, of, yeah, that's what he's always done. So that makes sense. Yeah. It's like, there's melodicness to it. There's a lot of drama to it. Um, and uh, and, and I was definitely going for that with that song. And then we brought in this incredible organist who worked on both of the songs, Corey Henry on follow you, as well as um, cutthroat that we wanted to bring a little bit of a gospel sense to the songs. Cause, cause follow you is supposed to be like a worship song, almost like a, a love song, but it's also like has tones of like purple and like um, like a cathedral feeling to it. At least for me, when I hear it, whereas cutthroat is supposed to be very angry but I still wanted that kind of the, the, uh, the chaoticness of the organ. And, and you hear that really when the song breaks apart. But that was really Rick's genius. He, he, he brought that. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, the, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Yeah, I, I've heard you talk about, you know, what we can expect from the record and everything. Uh, the two sides. I think you said, you know, one side sort of talks about inward and the other side outward. Cutthroats to me is interesting because it, it sort of plays on both sides of it. And I want to tie it to something else you did because last year we saw you team up with Tom Morello. Uh, and, and some other artists as well, but you know, it's Tom Morello at the base for the song Stand Up, uh, especially there for a song speaking to the outward parts. And with Cutthroat kind of bringing them back in, like you, how can you change the world, you know, if, you, if you're not happy with yourself on one side of things, but does what you're doing with, in that song with Stand Up, and again, here's something, this is more of a collaboration, that's not Imagine Dragons song, but, you know, hearing what you're doing there and hearing kind of the, the subject matter that you're tackling on your own personal songs, is that the type of stuff that we can expect from the rest of the record? And, and I say specifically, you know, when we're looking at stand up, which takes on um, talks about anti-racism as one of the most important things that we can talk about today. And obviously the events of what's gone on in the past few years. I mean, is that is that on your mind on your own songs as well? For this upcoming set? I mean, I think it's probably on every artist's mind to, to a degree. And it's it's. Um... It's just the world we live in right now. We're going through a real political. There's there there is a lot of corruption that's kind of coming to the surface, uh, and it's been there always. But I think people are actually finally acknowledging it more so, uh, and that's one of the reasons I want, wanted to work with Tom. I think he's done that for uh, you know decades now, and uh, has always stood up for that. Uh, so yeah, there there is certainly that on the record, and that leads to a lot of interesting conversations, which I had with Rick 
late nights in the studio combing through lyrics because uh, he would go through every single song with me word at a time, which I'd never done that with a, with a producer before. We, we typically have self-produced or it's been kind of the case of like with Joel Little where it's like, here's a track. I write to that track. We finalize it. Rick was like, let's work on every single thing. Let's go through every single word, which was hard for me. It was challenging because I've never had someone be like, eh, that, that lyric's pretty corny. And then you're like, Oh, well, I really meant it. And he's like, well, it doesn't matter. I think it's corny. <laughs> and you're like, okay, well, this sucks. <laughs> you know, but it's like, it's Rick Rubin and it's, and it's the challenge that we wanted to take on this record for better or for worse. And I loved it. I think uh, I enjoyed the process, whether other people will love it or not. I have no idea. Um, but I really loved working with Rick. And so, yeah, I, I, sorry, I keep bouncing around with these questions, but yeah, the, the, there's plenty of that on this record. It's something that's just important. It's, it's not it's not even that it's like, of course, it's important, but it's also something that's interesting to me. Like I spent a lot of my time working in with philanthropic causes, not because I'm like, I want to go save the world and look at me like it's like it's really selfish for me. I, I, I enjoy politics. I enjoy talking about politics. I also enjoy looking outward because I've dealt with depression since I was young. It's the first thing they teach you. They're like, well, if you want to be happy, look outward. So it's like. I, I, I don't, I'm not like trying to argue that everyone in the world is selfish or not. And every good deed is done for selfish reason, but maybe I'll try to <laughs> the selfish gene by uh, Richard Hawkins is one of my favorite books I just finished. And um, it that talks about altruism and how nobody's really altruistic for a, a good reason. We really just do it because it actually helps uh, you in a selfish way. And it's, it's pretty a uh, dark book, but it's pretty great. Um, but anyway, yes, yes. We get into it. Rick pushes me on it uh, a lot. And uh and hopefully it yields a result that will help the world in a positive way. Uh, I always hope that Imagine Dragons ends up being a positive force in the world. Yeah, because uh, every, you know we're here and then we die. And I have no idea what happens when we die. Um, but you can ask the Mormons. Maybe they know better than me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do love what you said there, uh, you know, as you're sort of... Uh, paraphrasing Dawkins there because you know if you are going to be selfish why not be selfish by helping everyone else yes you know, that's a better I, way to say it. and he actually goes on to say later that he feels like maybe he took the wrong title by calling it the selfish gene because everybody looks at it like what a negative thing but if you actually read the book that's really not what he goes into it's it's actually not as dark and morbid as as that sounds it is it's interesting I don't want to I don't want to paint this in the wrong way as as, as I walk uh uh, cautiously when I say this, because it's interesting the way this time off lined up for you all with the pandemic. Pandemic's been horrible, yes. But as a time to take care of yourself, you know, uh, you know, I guess I guess that couldn't have come at a better time and everything because, it, you know, we was almost forced to. Like, I don't know if that extra pressure would have been there had the pandemic not like, oh, I've got to get, you know, my, I've got to get myself back together. I've got to get back on the road. I've got to do another another new record. But but I guess what I'm asking is probably a pretty obvious question. How important a role did this year where we're forced to be here lend you in the part of mental health that you do go on to talk about? Uh, this record primarily dives thematically into the finality of life. That's the focus of the whole record. Honestly, every Dragons record I've ever written about has been to some degree about mental health because it's just my greatest struggle is depression and anxiety. I've dealt with it for a lot of years. And so primarily when I'm writing music, that's what I'm writing about. Or crisis of faith with Mormonism in my early years, but that's not really a thing for me anymore. But um, so this record is really about the finality of life, more for the case that in the last three, four years, I've lost 
five people in my life that I was very close to. My business manager of a decade passed away from cancer. My ex-girlfriend passed away from cancer very unexpectedly. Uh, my sister-in-law, my brother's wife, and they have seven kids together, passed away of cancer, came on in a year. Uh, I happened to even be in the hospital room with her when she passed with my brother. Anybody who experiences death on a level where you're actually in the room and you see someone and they're there with you and then they're gone, it is it 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 shakes you. It shook me beyond anything I could explain because you, you suddenly really realize the thing that nobody wants to talk about because it's scary and sad, which is we're here and, and you could be gone like that. And it sounds trite, but it's like, really, if you think about that, I'm here right now. I could be gone tomorrow. Am I doing everything I want to do every day? Because if I'm not, what the hell am I doing? Like, why would you live one second of your life for anything else if that's really ingrained in your mind? And the same is with my with my art, it made me reapproach this whole record and all my art differently, being faced with that. It just made me wanna be completely honest and just say my truth and not think about any other pressures, any other outside, anything. And so this record really goes into to that, the finality of life, what that feels like inside my head and what that looks like outside. Um, and just, you know, my, my, my thoughts on it. I love how you articulate all of this. And I love that you put it into action. I mean, as you said, you know, you, you do philanthropic things all the time. Uh, you're working for uh, LGBTQ uh, plus kids and, and trans rights. Um, the way that you, like, I want every artist to do that. That's unfair because everybody's their own person. Do what you want to do. But the fact that you do take that chance and not only that you do it, but it comes out in the work too. So people can kind of hear it. It's this multi-level thing. All of my favorite artists, you know, they kind of give me that, you know, it's not just the song. The song's great, but it goes further. I mean, that's the, all the art I was raised on. And, and it's, it, you know, whether it was the Beatles, like, and Paul McCartney and Lennon and like actually saying something, I think it's really important. And I think today everybody, you know, if you're not saying something, it's like, and, and, and especially as I get older, it's just, like I said, it's also, um, it's all I think about. I'm not thinking about anything other than, you know, what's going on in the world. I'm, I'm fascinated by the world. I'm horrified by the world. Um, I want a better world. I have four little children that I'm, I'm raising and trying to be a dad to, and I want to, I want a better, a better world for them. Uh, that's beautiful. Uh, I will quickly ask just, you know, for the other guys in the band to, to be included in this a little bit. Do you guys talk about the music, the direction uh, musically where you wanted uh, this new set to go? I think we just follow it wherever it, where it goes. As, as far as uh, this record's a little different than every other record we've done. And, and you'll you'll hear it when, when, you, when you listen to it, you'll see it's, it's different. Um, but as far as how we did the process, it's it, we take time. And I write a bunch of stuff and I either write it here on my own or Wayne, our guitarist primarily was the other songwriter who would produce. I, we both work through Ableton. So we just send stuff to each other and, and create that way. Uh, and Platzman in the last uh, two records has really become uh, into his own as far as getting a studio and producing stuff. And then once we have all these demos, we go into a studio and we just pull it apart. And if something needs help, then we'll fix it together and we kind of work on the songs together. And that's how we finalize everything. But this record was different in that Rick went through, there were hundreds of demos. He went through a hundred of them that I sent, that I narrowed it down to and sent it to him. And then he, we, he picked his favorites. We all picked our favorites. We tried to figure out what the story was that was being told through these songs. And that also was part of it. So it wasn't just like, this is my favorite song, but it also plays an important part because X, Y, or Z. And then we got into the studio and we just pulled it all apart. Rick was like, um, very tedious 
Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like a negative thing, but I, I, I can't think of a better word to describe working with Rick Rubin. He's very tedious. He's like, you know, that one sound is interesting, but let's take it out and let's try it five different other ways. <laughs> let's A, B, C, D, E it. And let's, you know, it was, and for me, I'm like, I'm very like in the moment person. So it was very hard for me, but, um, but it's what, why I wanted to work with Rick. I wanted to, uh, for better or for worse, it's like my fifth record. I don't know how much longer I'm going to do this for. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be here for. And so I'm just, uh, I want to do the, I want to make the most of everything I do, you know? Well, it comes out as, I mean, it shows the hard work is what I'm trying to say. It shows that it's there. Um, and Rick's a legend for a reason, you know, for the tediousness. I mean, he, he gets results for a reason. Uh, Dan, these new songs, I, I'm so set up and ready to hear what the rest of this record sounds like because of them. I love what you guys are doing. I'll also encourage everybody to check out the two videos. They're both so entertaining. I mean, plus the um, even the off-camera bromance that you and, uh, and Rob uh, McKillany has, uh, has had. Uh, I'm kind of there for that, too. I want to see that keep going as well. So He's a horrible person. So. <laughs> terrible thank you so much for doing this today it's been such a pleasure to talk to you thanks man appreciate it and thanks for the kind words appreciate it no anytime we'll see you around take care man take care my thanks dan reynolds imagine dragons uh the two lead singles follow you and cutthroat we're looking forward to that fifth lp as well thanks to you for checking out the series please do hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all of the interviews that i put out every single week again itunes and apple Podcasts, spotify acast podchaser youtube for the video versions or anywhere you get your podcast from just subscribe to kyle meredith with then after that head over to wfpk.org where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at wfpk.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the uh, social media spots, including uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Kyle Meredith, and TikTok at Kyle Meredith 81 uh, Like and follow along. Make sure to say hi when you do. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.